Welcome to the SAME Real-Time Podcast, featuring an inside look across the Society of American Military Engineers and the work that our 30,000 members and 105 posts are doing to support national security and strengthen the engineering potential of the United States. And now, your host, SAME Executive Director, Joe Schrodel. here talking to Todd Wang and he's got a great story to tell and uh, so we get a chance to hear from him personally but if you haven't had a chance to take a look at uh, the front page of, of the next edition of our TME go check it out too so Todd thanks for joining us today how you doing I'm doing great Joe thank you for uh, having this opportunity with me today great so where are you today I know you travel a lot with the bridges to prosperity so where are you today well, today I'm in Baton Rouge uh, doing my other part-time job with SCH2M, so helping the state of Louisiana uh, open up the Mississippi River and help keep the Delta from uh, disappearing as it has in the last 50, 60 years. No, that's great. You know, I've known you, I've known you for a long time, and we served together many years ago, uh, and, I, and I cherish those, those memories, but, but clearly, What's amazing to me is to see someone like you who who continues to make a lasting difference in everything that you're doing. So congratulations and my hat's off to you for, for what you're doing and what, what I've watched you do now for, for well over a decade. So let me personally say thanks for the difference you're making. Talk a little bit about Bridges of Prosperity. How'd you get into it in the beginning? You know, Joe, you know, when I departed the Army, uh, you, you made a statement to me, he says, you know, I just want to make sure that in five years you don't have any regrets for getting out. Yeah, I remember that. And I, I uh, after two years, obviously, I went into the consulting world, and that transition from uh, military life in the consulting world took a couple years acclimation. But I definitely had on my uh, goal list that uh, after two years of getting acclimated to this new career, I wanted to go downrange and do something for the developing world. That was the only thing I missed out of the Army other than working with great people. In uh, 2009, I uh, bought a plane ticket to Nicaragua, took my kids down there, and went to go look for work. Just a mission, and it ended up being a bridge project, and, uh, and then I just integrated, networked, and uh, got affiliated with Bridges of Prosperity and also Engineers Without Borders. But the thing with Bridges of Prosperity, the mission is, helping others help themselves. We're not going down to build these bridges for them. We help guide them through this process. So those countries, uh, those people in the host nation are right along with us. They've got the lead. and We're giving them the technical capability. We're building this uh, right there with villagers that have never done construction other than maybe uh, work on their homes. You know, that's, that's a great story, and you know, a couple of thoughts come to my mind. You know, one, congratulations, uh, you talk about taking your kids in Nicaragua, congratulations on, on your daughter Kirsten's graduating and becoming a, a civil engineer or an engineer for us now, so well done, mom and dad, so tell Pam thanks too. Your point about helping others, you know, I, I de my first deployment was to Guatemala after the earthquake in 1976, and the country parked the uh, highway department. And I'll never forget the first thing that we realized was, oh my Lord, we're in here doing it for them as opposed to helping them help themselves. So I'm glad to hear that the approach you guys were taking 
is, is what you said. So how about describing, you know, one of the, some of the projects and maybe one of the first ones that you did, you know, how many people, what, what sort of bridge was it, what did it take to just, just to get it to happen? The first bridge uh, was in a small community. The name of it's El Panama, even though it's in uh, Nicaragua, it's El Panama. It's in the southern part of the country in the highlands up above the Pacific Ocean. This community uh, had a primary, or yeah, just a primary school, no secondary. So any kid that wanted to go to school, middle school and higher, uh, basically had to uh, travel uh, 30, 30 miles, uh, across, had to cross this river. And, um, and it was really, I did it with uh, Rice University. Um, I primarily, my involvement with Bridges uh, has been, I take university students down there I help them go through a planning process, a design process, and then uh, we build it with the community. The closest point where we could drop off materials to this bridge site was one mile away. And so 40 tons of materials, that's cement, sand, gravel. We used uh, cobble rock, rock about the size of a basketball to build the towers. All of that had to be hauled down either using ox carts or on our backs, the community's backs, the students' backs, my back. 40 tons of material hauled down there and we built this uh, bridge over this uh, passable river. It was, uh, you know, you think, is this thing gigantic long? No, it was about uh, 38 meters long. So uh, not too long, but certainly a, uh, a river that prevented access uh, for the kids to go to uh, secondary school and university and certainly uh, to get health care, access to health care. That was the first project I did. And how many have you done since? I, if you even know, but how many roughly? Uh, direct involvement where I've been on the site building, 11. Uh, but there's probably triple that amount that I have some influence on. With the university teams, we, we had 11 university teams last year. And as a technical advisory board member, I uh, basically, every university, before they can launch downrange to build their project, they have to brief me on their construction plan, quality plan, and safety plan. And then I give them notice to proceed, or I say, no, you need to adjust this before you go. So indirectly, quite a few bridges, but directly 11. Well, so how many students uh, out of the university, you know, normally go uh, on a project? And then how are they funded? Talk a little bit about that. Ideally, I'd like to have at least six, and then typically no more than ten. Uh, and so, ideally, uh, eight to ten. But it really depends on their budget, because really, the, these, these kids are going through and doing all kinds of fundraising um, to, uh, to get their project monies together, not only for travel, but they do pay for part of the materials. Uh, the community and the near, nearest municipality help and assist with the procurement of and so I'll give you an example of one of the fundraising activities. I, I currently work directly with Colorado School of Mines, my uh, alma mater. And so they have what they call cheese sandwich delivery. And so the students at the university, they might be in a test or they might be uh, can't get lunch. And so they have this text app created. And so a student can text, hey, I want, I want a cheese sandwich. And so there's a team on campus cooking these cheese sandwiches, and, and it's kind of like a sandwich shop uh, that uh, delivers within uh, five or ten minutes your cheese sandwich. So you can 
continue to do your tests. So oh my lord! They, they, they're pretty innovative uh, fundraising uh, methodologies that they have. So basically, they pay for the thing themselves. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and is there and any money that comes? Donors. So there is money that comes from donors or alumni. Um, you know, I since I am affiliated and I've got a lot of friends that I grew up with there at Colorado School of Mines. I I send stories from the student team how they're doing and and basically they do get funding from uh, donors that are affiliated with that university. And well, that's great. So you know, let's talk about the student perspective for a minute. So. How do you decide which bridge you know you're going to build? Do the university or the students at that university have the opportunity to uh, influence which bridge, or is that just a mission that they get? No, it's not a mission. The teams I work with, I think it's so important for them to understand the planning process, and and I tell them, you know, in your careers, you might be involved in planning, design or construction, but you will probably never be involved with all three phases of a project. And therefore, I take them through this all three phases, and I tell them that it is so important on the planning. So we do a social and technical feasibility study, because the social aspect is, is so important, and, and in my mind is even more important than the technical feasibility. So we interview the community talk with the community. Is the community ready to buy in on this? Because it's the community's project first. We're there to support that. We're here to help you help yourself. And therefore, that interview process and assessing the social aspects of that community are much more important. Technically, we can pretty much build them wherever we need to, but it is so important that the community has buy-in. They create a leadership team and they develop and they're ready because once that bridge is built, they own it, they maintain it. And therefore, we need to work with them at the very, very beginning to ensure that they're vested in this project. So who actually decides which community you're gonna deal with? How do you, do, how do you decide that? A, a good friend of mine, Doug, that I've gotten to know in, in Nicaragua, he and I go out and do assessments and, and Doug lives in Nicaragua, so we have community uh -huh. Uh, reaching out to us. So we have, we've got these preliminary assessments, but then we actually go to the communities and work with them and interview them and do that assessment and determine which one would be most feasible. There's things such as, you know, how many, how many live in this community? Is it a hundred? Is it 500? Is it a thousand? And we, we try to work. It's not that the smaller communities don't get the support, but we do factor in how many can we impact for that with that bridge and the location of that bridge. Yeah, so it's the impact that you ultimately have that, that I'm sure helps drive, you know, the student motivation. You know, talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, the students' reactions before, during, and after accomplishing one of the, one of these projects. What what do you see in terms of the transition of First of all, their understanding, as you said, and I think you've pointed out very well, the involvement in all three major phases of a project, but, but also just as people, given the fact that they're giving back and making a difference. What, what sort of transition do you see or transformation of any kind do you see in, in the students? A wonderful transition. It, it, one of the most rewarding things for me is to see the light bulb turn on. You know, it's not so much about the bridge project itself, but it's linking 
two different cultures together and them experiencing that. And so one of the things I have is the students live with the community. We eat with the community, we live with the community, and we play with the community. And so when they walk away from that project, it isn't so much about the bridge, even though they take a lot of pride in that, but it's that cultural um, experience that they have and integrate with that community and the friends that they, they have. And, and even though it's a developing world, I tell you, they're still connected out there and they still have Facebook access. <laughs> they walk away from the experience and the relationships they develop is probably the most rewarding. What's an interesting piece of this too is this, this uh, new generation out there that I'm working with. Um, it isn't so much about running off and getting that career going and making that rank and getting those positions of power and making money. Um, there are a significant number of those students that are going and aspiring to go work for nonprofit organizations. I've even had several students go and join the Peace Corps after they graduate because they just loved it. They continued to join it in the Peace Corps for a couple of years. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that. So many people today don't have that positive view that you just expressed about our youth. I can tell you personally, I'm an adjunct professor at George Mason in addition to what I'm doing here. And my view is very, very, very much in line with what you just said. I see folks who want to make a difference. I see folks who want to focus on projects. They want to be real. They want some balance in their lives. Uh, these are people. These are people that cause me to to feel that our future is in good hands. So I I'm glad to hear oh, you say yeah. that. Our future is <laughs> in extremely good hands. I think you even mentioned you you probably uh, see that in some of the younger folks, given the older folks on on projects, uh, you know, run for their money. Yes. Absolutely. I'm just so impressed with our young generation right now and whatever I can give to help them um, just uh, move forward. I have all the confidence in the world that our young generation coming up has, has got it right. They'll be, uh, they'll be doing it right. No, that's great. You know, in that, in that regard, what, as you think through challenges, uh, the one you mentioned, you know, the fact that you, the closest you can get the material to 40 tons is a mile away. Uh, what other kinds of challenges have you faced, and, and what's your, your feeling about how our younger folks face challenges? How do they do when they're faced with a tough challenge? The students um, will face challenges. Uh, before uh, they launch downrange on the, on the construction project, I, I talk with them at length about the physical and mental challenges that they will have over that period of time, and, and, and a lot of times they'll be in country for eight weeks. And so I work with them on anticipating that, but then also helping each other out because each of them will go through this oscillation of downtimes and uptimes, and they're not all synced, so therefore they help each other out when they see a fellow student going on the down on the downslide. And the challenges are real simple. It's, you know, you, you go to a foreign country and, and they a developing world um, and the simple things is washing clothes in the creek, taking a bath in the creek, the outhouses, the bugs, having the, the bats fly into the house you're staying at hanging up there in the rafters early in the morning. It, it's the new experiences that uh, they've never experienced. It's uh, the other challenge is probably things you take for granted here in the United States such as potable water in a flushing toilet is a big eye-opener for them and how people 
are living living very comfortable lives. They're just living at a different standard than we are. Therefore, another thing I talk with them about is don't feel sorry for them. They're very capable. They're, they're happy people. Just because they don't have the same sort of standard of living you do does not mean that they're poor and miserable. They're, they're, they're robust families, and they're, and they're having good lives. We're just helping them create access for consistent access across that river. You know, you, you make an important point. One of the things that I've often somewhat lamented about in our culture, and, and you and I have seen this as we've traveled around the world in our military careers, but Americans in general have a hard time, if not impossible time, seeing things through other people's eyes. We really do. And what, what you just described, I think, very eloquently, you know, is an experience that, that those students will probably never forget. And more importantly, it's probably the closest they're ever going to come to having the opportunity to see things through other people's eyes and understand that, you know, perspectives are different. And, uh, and happiness is defined in different ways. So that's good to hear that, that you see that in, in your efforts. That's great. Have you dealt with or had uh, other partners like CBs or other military organizations or other private organizations or other student organizations uh, you know, partnered with you in, in, in pulling off one of these projects? Yes, it started uh, back in, in uh, 2014 that I started getting involved with the Department of Defense and specifically uh, the uh, CBs or out of PACOM uh, and uh, Navy Pacific. And with, uh, we had been told about a bridge that had problems that, that the CBs built in uh, 2013. And so we assisted them in assessing that bridge and, and making corrections uh, to that bridge. Uh, and then what uh, Pacific Navy wanted us to do was do a subject matter expert training in uh, East Timor, uh, okay. uh, more left day. So I was out there in Hawaii back in 2014, or uh, in 2014, but then uh, later that year uh, in the summer during a Pacific exercise, uh, myself and Andrew Silas, who at the time was uh, working with Bridges of Prosperity, we went out there and we trained the the local Ministry of Transportation Engineers, as well as CBs, on how to do those assessments and also the construction and design of, uh, of these bridges. And what that led into was uh, two bridges built in Timor Leste last year that I went out and assisted the Navy with. To kind of give you a perspective of the locals, this community was pretty large. It was over a thousand distributed across the, the mountainside. These two rivers were just impassable and even though I didn't speak the local language there was a clinic there and, and twice a week there was a doctor and the doctor had studied uh, medical school in Cuba so he knew Spanish so we were able to carry on a conversation and one of the biggest access problems I asked him I said so if a lady's pregnant do you send her back to Dilly like months ahead of time so she can get back to Dilly and how do you do prenatal care and uh, he responded back, and he had some of the ladies there with him, and he interpreted for me. And the lady's response was, well, if there's problems with the baby, that's the way God wanted it. And therefore, they had just succumbed to the thought that if we have childbirthing problems, that's just the way it is. But now uh, that community has two bridges they can uh, safely cross for prenatal care. 
and also for complications that uh, might arise from uh, giving birth. And uh, Timor-Leste's got one of the highest child uh, death uh, rates in, in the world. Wow. That's... So just helping that one little corner of the world to, to alleviate that issue was just really rewarding, not only for myself, but 12 uh, CBs that were out there with me uh, putting those two bridges together. Well, that's great. One of the things that I'm interested in, and, and we'll talk more about, uh, is how we get uh, SAME student chapters, the, the new SAME foundation, and I think we've got a lot of opportunities to, to work with, uh, with Bridges to Prosperity and see what we can't do. So as you look to the future of the program, uh, what do you see? We obviously were heavily involved in STEM and personally, um, and, and since we're located in, in Denver, uh, the staff with Bridges to Prosperity, which isn't too many people, by the way, being a nonprofit, it's pretty small. One of the things we really have enjoyed the last few years is participating in the Air Force Academy's construction camp that SAMI sponsors. And so interaction with SAMI and assisting uh, SAMI with their STEM program, uh, I, I look forward to uh, creating more opportunities and being more involved with SAMI in the STEM program in the future. We're heavily invested in the, in the in STEM through our university program, and then reaching out to young high schoolers, I think is a, is a fabulous uh, joint uh, project that we can do together. No, that's great. And then, and I think as you know, we might have discussed uh, earlier last year, um, you know, we've got a, a, a written agreement with the Army Education Outreach Program, which hosts, uh, sponsors all of the STEM programs. So our STEM committee, our camp committees work hand in hand uh, and, and we appreciate the support that you guys give us at the, at the Air Force Academy camp. Well, look, you know, we, I could go on all day just talking to you, let alone talking about <laughs> Bridges to Prosperity. And one of the things that you and I are going to work is, you know, our upcoming Joint Engineer Training Conference in May in Columbus. Uh, we want to have you there and, and take advantage of that opportunity to educate others on what Bridges to Prosperity does. And as I mentioned earlier, we've got the the, the cover story and the, the magazine coming out for the story of what you do. But you know, one of the things that, that's a, that, that I think you, you embody personally, and I don't want to embarrass you here, but I will a little bit, you know, it takes caring leaders to do what you did, to step out, take your family to a country like Nicaragua uh, that most people would never even think about going to, with a goal in mind of giving back and doing something to make a difference. Uh, I think that's a, a model that Fortunately for our country, we see a lot of our youth, as you described, uh, ascribing to and signing up for. And I think that bodes well for anything in this country that, that has the word service connected to it, to include our military. Because, uh, you know, our military, our, you know, any, any of the organizations that are just out there to give back, because that's also a way that our young folks cut their teeth. And that's the other way that they gain experiences that will serve our country in many more ways than just in their profession. So, so Todd, I will tell you, first, thanks for, for taking the time today to help share with, with the, the SAME audience and, and our wider audience that tune into iTunes and listen to us. But, but thank you personally from me, because I've known you for many years, and, and it's been a real joy and an honor to see what difference you have made and the difference you continue to make. So we're here to help serve you and 
and the aims of, of uh, Bridges to Prosperity. And I guess lastly, if, if people want to know more about Bridges to Prosperity, where would they go on, on the web or where? Hit on bridgestoprosperity.org okay. and uh, it'll pop up in social media and elsewhere. I'd just like to say, and I, I, I thank you, Joe, for this wonderful opportunity to speak. You know, I've, I feel very grateful that I've found my meaning in life. That's helping others help themselves in one corner of the world at a time. So if others do this, then multiple folks can be helping many others help themselves in many corners of the world all the time in the future. So I, I really appreciate thank, uh, this opportunity. No, thanks. And well said. So God bless, and we'll see you soon in uh, Columbus.